What's going on, everyone? Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Back Your Play with Q. Rich Quinoon is here. Don't forget, you can check us out online on social media, Adverts Q and Q, on IG, Adverts Q and Q, YouTube channel, up and running, a lot of engagement, a lot of content, a lot of live shows. We just hit one earlier today regarding if the NFL is rigged and or fixed. We'll get into that in a couple minutes on this Tuesday with our uh, good friend, our NFL insider, Lloyd Vance, kind enough to join us on the Tuesday edition of BYP. Lloyd, uh, I see you got that ugly backdrop behind you. How are you? <laughs> yeah, it's Lincoln Financial Field and, uh, you know, doing well, doing well. You know, here in Philadelphia, as as you were talking about earlier, you know, we're hearing from all the Eagles folks and, and they're, that their chest pumped out. Obviously, it's exciting that the Eagles are in the Super Bowl, but there is still one more game to be played. So uh, yep. lots to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And you can take a step back and you look at the game against the 49ers. I thought if they were fully healthy and engaged, the 49ers could have went on the road and beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, it turns out as the week progressed and we got closer to the game, I don't want to say I wavered or I flip flop. I just really did not like the matchups in the trenches for the 49ers and some of the blown calls, some of the questionable calls, the non-reviewable, like the, Smith, no catch aside, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles just waxed them in the trenches, right? So we can sit there and say they didn't have a quarterback. They had to go to Johnson. They were a banged up team. Great teams do that. They, you know, they put you away early, right? And they don't apologize for doing it. And that's exactly what the Philadelphia Eagles did. Big time win in the NFC championship. They go to Arizona uh, and they were just a better team. Yeah, Q, they, they outclassed them. And, you know, it, it was a tough watch for somebody like you and I that, that analyzes the game. And, and there really wasn't a lot to analyze there. Nope. They, they just – they knocked Purdy out of the game, and then it was over, basically. And, and you know, you, you had to put this on the offensive line for the, the Niners, as you were saying. Uh, they tried to have a backup tight end block Hassan Reddick on that key play. Yep. And then he gets in, hit, hits the elbow, and, and – we know the rest from there with the fumble and then the, the Eagles were just rolling. So the Eagles are a dominant team. We talked about all season. What they want to do is get that big lead, run the football, kill the clock. And then defensively, they want to get after teams, put the pressure on them and then get turnovers. So that's exactly what they did. And I uh, got to tip your cap to them. Yeah. I don't subscribe to any theory of, well, you know, it's a week's Listen, I don't care. If, 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 if my road to the Super Bowl or the playoffs is easy because of who I played, am I really going to apologize for that? Does it lessen how good of a team I am? No, it doesn't. I mean, think about this. They can run the football. They had their choice. Pick your poison with those running backs. They got a very good tight end in Goddard. They got monster wide receivers in Smith and Brown. You have an MVP caliber quarterback in Jalen Hurts that everyone said this kid could not play the position. All the high paid talking heads came on the air and they shouted on the rooftop. They shouted uh, at the top of the mountain where it was a bad draft pick. This kid can't play. Sit on bench. He's not going to be a franchise quarterback. And what did he do? He basically sold out. He went out there and he shut all the analysts up. So for me to sit here on a Tuesday and sit there and say, well, they're not deserving of going to the Super Bowl. We're in the, it's absolutely ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. I mean, I know what tough runs are in the playoffs. I've experienced it as a Giant fan. I've seen tough runs. I've seen the Seagulls team go on a run, by the way, with a backup quarterback in Nick Foles. So this, this narrative where, well, who the hell did you beat? 
I don't want to hear that crap anymore because they punched the Giants in the gut early and then they knocked them out early and they did the same exact thing to San Francisco. And this is a team, and I'll say it again, I'll, I'll, I'll bang the drum. When you panic against the Eagles and you get punched in the gut and you panic and you don't have a plan B, that's it. It's lights out. They're going to win the game. They're going to route you. They're going to dominate you. And at first gloss and first glance, looking at the Super Bowl matchup with Kansas City, it reeks of what Tampa Bay did to Kansas City a couple of years ago when they absolutely dominated in the trenches in the line of scrimmage. Well, you know, a couple of years ago that, that happened to Kansas City in the Super Bowl, and then they, they went about retooling that offensive line. So now they have Creed Humphrey there at center, uh, a kid that they drafted. They got Orlando Brown coming in. But uh, Thune coming over from the Patriots, so they made some changes up front. But it's going to be interesting. Can they slow down that Eagles pass rush? We know the Eagles uh, were, I think, second in NFL in terms of sacks, and and yep. they have four guys that had ten plus. And and you saw what a game wrecker Hassan Reddick was. You know, the, the three tackles, two sacks. And he had the force fumble that I talked about earlier, and, and you know he's just bringing pressure from all over the place. And then you forget about Nudegam Sue, and next thing you know, he's busting up the middle, and, and he's knocking Josh Johnson out the game and, and lifting him up off the ground, and unfortunately he gets a concussion. So this defensive line is mean. It's nasty. Uh, it, you know, we'll go into X and O's on the game, I'm sure, in the coming weeks. But uh, I, I really think if the Chiefs are going to attack them, it's going to be Pat Mahomes going to Kelsey and picking on those linebackers and the safeties. But, you know, it was a total team effort, as you were saying, just dominate the Niners, and, and, and the Niners had a lot of talk coming into the game, but the Eagles shut them up early, and then they beat them up. So it, it was yeah. a good win for them. Yeah, I mean, Reddick, I, I wanted the Giants to go after him. I mean, he's a Jersey kid. He's a Camden guy. Uh, went to high school at Haddon Heights, obviously played at Temple. You know, I know what he's doing in the playoffs and towards the end of the season, and it's unfortunate. It kind of gets lost in the sauce when we think of, you know, the great defensive players, but uh, – you can put his name. I mean, we if we're going to say the Donalds of the world or the Boses of the world or the Parsons of the world are game wreckers. I got newsflash for people that haven't watched Hassan Reddick. He's a frigging game wrecker. I mean, it's just he is playing above and beyond. He's playing at such an elite level right now. And the caliber of talent is there. So when you watch him play, you now have to start to scheme. You have to game plan. And oh, by the way, we didn't even get to the other players that you uh, you mentioned or we've highlighted or documented throughout the NFL season. That's what makes this team so dangerous on both sides of the football. And like I said, I, I, I say it tongue-in-cheek, it pains me to say it, but the film doesn't lie. I mean, that's how good they are on the offensive side of the football, on the defensive side of the football. They can run the ball. I think they're going to push Kansas City in that regard as well. You know Mahomes is still a little bit compromised with that ankle injury. We've got two weeks to dissect it. I want to get to the AFC Championship sure. with you for a moment. Again, Lloyd Vance, our NFL Insider, jumping on a Tuesday edition of BYP. Rich Quinone is here. Um, you look at that game, and everyone's blaming uh, the, the the young player. Osai. Yeah, Osai for the roughing the penalty, uh, the flag late in the game. And, I, again, take a step back. It's a bang-bang play. The kid had a hell of a season. He's played well. He played well in that game. He'll learn from the mistakes. Did he cost Cincinnati that game? No, he did not. Cincinnati had two opportunities with under six minutes to go to win that game or to take the lead. They couldn't get it done. Special teams, you punt the ball down the middle of the field. That's a freaking no-no. I mean, really, it's a no-no. And they had some gaffes, and Burrow had to tip pick. So 
I don't want to hear this stuff that that kid cost the game. It's just you cannot give Kansas City you, you, you can't have those little mishaps against a team like Kansas City is what I'm trying to say. Like you give them an opening for a body shot or a counter and they're going to take it and they're going to connect. Yeah, Q. And, and we talked about going into this game. Joe Burrow was 3-0 and versus the Chiefs and he just did not – he had not been making those mistakes. And, and you talk about leaving an opening and putting it in a box in terms, you know, he left the, the chance for a counter punch or, or a big punch coming back from Mahomes yep. and the Chiefs and, and – you know, defensively, they got after the Bengals. We, we talked about that offensive line with the Bengals having three replacements out there. And finally, like Frank Clark had one and a half sacks. Uh, Chris Jones, you talk about game record on the AFC side. That's what he did. He had two sacks in the game, four tackles, and he just seemed to be everywhere. He had revenge in his eyes. So, you know, it, it was a good game, solid game. And you're, I agree with you that you – you can't put the whole loss on that kid. Yes, it was a very bad mistake. And, and then you felt bad for him when his teammate Pratt was yelling at him, going in the locker room. But uh, it, it's just part of the story of the game. It's not the whole story. I think overall, when I was crunching the stats, you know, these two teams were very evenly matched. And, you know, those turnovers were just the key in this game for Kansas City to win it. And then Pat Mahomes spreading the ball around to a number of different people, including Kelsey. Yeah, I don't want, I don't need to see the teammate – coming out and saying, oh, this is my last year, would you effing touch it for? And then you have B.J. Hill basically protecting the kid like a, a mama bear does, and, and good for him for doing that. But the other stuff, I don't, I, I don't need to see any of that stuff because, again, I understand you need to, you need to uh, take in consideration the, the gravity of the moment, right, down, distance, situational football. You knew once you laid a paw on Mahomes on the road, in Kansas city in an AFC championship game, they were throwing the flag. I mean, it's just by rule, but I can go back and say, what about the PI on a uh, hill? what about the miss roughing the passer Colin Burrow? You know, what about the mulligan on the third down? I want to get into officiating because I feel as though we talk about it every single solitary year for the past 10 plus 15 years or so that we've been doing this. And I don't get it. Like explain to me, like I'm a child, the San Francisco game, Smith's non-catch, right? Now, if you're San Francisco, when you see the player start to say, hurry up, hurry up, everyone knows that's code for, I didn't freaking catch it. I dropped it. Get to the line, get the playoff. Someone from San Francisco has got to convey that quickly, whether it's a player to Shannon, throw the flag. You can't leave anything to chance, so you have to challenge it. But what about the expedited replay? What's the point of that process when it wasn't even utilized in that moment? Yeah, Q, I agree with you. All season, they had I'd seen games and plays stopped by the officials say, we're going to take a – it's been initiated by New York or whomever, by the league. And, and all of a sudden, you know, they they didn't even initiate it. Oh, they, they want to blame it on Fox. They didn't have the right angle to look at, et cetera. But, uh, you know, it, it should have been looked at. But also, as you're saying, the Niners should have forced the hand yep. and, and also looked at it. That was very key play. And then also in terms of Niners, you know, what do you have to lose? It's so early in the game. Okay, you're going to lose a timeout. You know, uh, why not do that? But I also agree with you. Overall, I think the officiating has just been, you know, spotty. I'll just put it that way. And, and they, they've left themselves open for a lot of exposure in terms of, you know, phantom whistles and, and, and some of these calls that they missed. And that play, if it's, let's just say for a moment, it's not a touchdown, right? So um, obviously it's extremely early in the game the next series 
San Francisco fumbled. The Eagles punted. San Francisco punted. Um, and then uh, it was another pump by the Eagles. San Francisco tied it up on the uh, Christian McCaffrey run. A bad tackling by the Eagles. And then it's a 14-7 game. So if you don't get that, and the next series, who's to say they're not calling the game differently if you're the 49ers and offense? So everything always has a cause and effect and a trickle-down effect. And unfortunately, it didn't go San Francisco's way. Um, I still think they're a very good team. I don't know what they're going to do with the quarterback now with Purdy. You have Lance on the roster. They're going to try to trade Jimmy G. That's a conversation for the offseason. But to your point with the officials and the referee, now everyone's coming out of the woodwork and saying the NFL is fixed. The NFL is rigged. Here you go. My counter to that is, like, what's the benefit? I'm hearing players, former players say, well, it's scripted. It's not scripted. This isn't wrestling. It's not scripted. It's not scripted for Hostetter uh, um, to, to take over for Sims and, and go on the road and beat the Niners, then beat Buffalo. It's not scripted for Nick Foles to come in for Carson Wentz. It's not scripted for uh, a football to get stuck, you know, to David Tyree's head. It's not, it's not scripted. Like this notion that the NFL is fixed and the NFL is rigged is just friggin' asinine. It's just so stupid. It's asinine. It's more or less from the people that are losing betting on these games because it didn't go their way. Correct. And, and, you and I know it, this is sour grapes, and it more than likely it's people that are calling radio stations because they lost their bet, or you know, or or it always seems to be their team didn't win, so they're going to vent and they're just not happy about it. But I agree with you. You know, it, there are some crazy things that happen in the NFL, but it's not scripted. It, it, it's you know, these officials they knew, do need to get better at their job. They do do some crazy things that make you scratch your head, but. By no means is it fixed, you know, and it, and it does drive you crazy. When you hear Do that. you think they're afraid to slow the game down? Like, and the reason I bring it up is why wouldn't they just challenge? If if there's really plays or calls in question, then maybe you should make everything reviewable. Like, how many times were you watching the game? So my buddy's a 49ers fan, and he was just going off. Every time the Eagles snapped the football, that Lane Johnson was offsides. From us watching on TV, it looked like he jumped every single solitary yeah. play, right? But I saw O.C. Humanure tweet out, it's not offsides. Trust me, I know from a defensive standpoint, you just, you, um, um, uh, you know the count, right? You jump, you know the snap, and then you jump. So you time it perfectly. But we're watching it as fans. And it is egregious. Like, it's like, oh, my God, he's moving a full step or the play clock going down. But since they're at home, you get the millimeter second. You know, how yeah, many true. times do you listen yeah. to the broadcasters on third down incomplete dot, 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 and there's no flag? I mean, this is where we're at right now. So how do you remedy this? How, how do you fix this? Do you, do, you, do you start to grade the officials and really penalize them? And, and dock them games, dock them pay? Do you get the most consistent group? And then you say, look, you can do the playoffs or you get the most consistent individuals. Okay, now you can do the Super Bowl. But if you do that, they don't have games under their belt to uh, be in sync with each other. So I, I don't know how you fix this. Yeah, that, that's, you know, a billion dollar question, you know, but I, I think the NFL, their competition committee and, and the referees all have to kind of figure this thing out because you're right, Q. You know, you don't want anybody questioning 
the integrity of the game and, and can they improve these officials or these officials on the take? They just got to do a better job. I've always said these guys should be full time. And that's all they should work on is officiating and watching plays and watching tape and making sure they get right. And also, I think the eye in the sky should really be there a lot yeah. more than it is. Maybe allow more challenges, um, you know, or more reviews of things, because you just see too often they say, oh, he's out of challenges. You know, you see some of that can't be turned around. All right, let's get into some of the uh, other big news. Uh, so Sean Payton uh, back uh, on the sidelines right now with Denver. Uh, obviously, we know the compensation. I mean, it's pretty much the cover. It's bare now if you're a Denver Broncos fan. I I am not the biggest Sean Payton fan. I think he's kind of overrated. I kind of put him in that category of John Gruden. I also think maybe a little product of those great Saints teams. They had a lot of debacles and a lot of bad playoff losses. Um, I mean, is this kind of wash away the bad taste of Hackett and the type of season that Russell Wilson had? You know, they're going with the big name, and and uh, you know they want to make the big splash, splash the uh, the Walton family that's owning the team now. They bought it from the Bowlings, and and you know they wanted their guy, and obviously Hackett was not their guy, and, and they, they made the GM made a Peyton made a big decision in hiring him. I was surprised Peyton actually, the other George Peyton sur- survived that hiring, but. Uh, We'll see how that goes. But Sean Payton's coming in, and I, I'm sure they're going to give him the keys to the kingdom. And, and this is his team. So, you know, I, I think a lot of these Super Bowl winning guys, after they win a Super Bowl, you know, like Mike McCarthy and, and some of these other guys, they're living on that Super Bowl for a long time. So we'll see if Sean Payton's able to turn this around. Obviously, he did some good things in New Orleans. But too often there was a cycle there where that team was winning, what, six games, eight games. And they just couldn't get over the hump. And, and Drew Brees covered up a lot of mistakes there. Yeah, no, that's that's a very good point. It's a fair point. They had the three or four window playoff playoffs when the Super Bowl, then kind of the mediocrity, you know, seven and nines, and then boom, a couple 13 and threes mixed in there. And maybe he was a product of having a guy like Drew Brees under center. Um, how about D'Amico Ryan's? And and I know it was, you know, again. You had a Rappaport and Scheffner, you know, having a pissing contest on the details or, you know, you know, uh, if maybe it was a plan B, it doesn't matter. Ultimately, I like Ryan's. I think um, he's a very good coordinator. Uh, And I said something earlier um, today on BYP where I don't know when you look at the Texans and how bad that organization has been and the you know, just the culture and, 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 and how they handle uh, their coaches over the last two years and letting them both go, uh, including last year with Lovey Smith and now hiring a, um, uh, a third straight head coach, a third African-American head coach. I, I, I feel as though, and you tell me if I'm off base or if I'm, if, if maybe I'm not wording it properly, it was, um, to maybe appease the masses, because my concern was what happens if Ryan, D'Amico Ryan struggles this year or next year? I mean, it's a six-year deal. You got to give him at least four years to get his feet wet, to rebuild this. What are they going to fire him? Like, I, I just don't like how they do business. Yeah. And, and I think uh, last year they kind of got caught with their pants down in terms of, 
that higher in terms of Lovey Smith. You, you have the Brian Flores lawsuit come out, and, and they were looking at Josh McCown, quite frankly, a guy who didn't have, not have any experience. And then they, they said, oh, the spotlight's on us. All right, hire Lovey Smith, and we'll see how it goes from there. But obviously, he got the same treatment as David Cully, the guy you were talking about before. So you get Cully, then you get Smith on a one-year deal, and then, yep. and, and then they kind of regroup. So, you know, the McNairs that own the team there, they kind of got to figure out what's going on. But I, I think they're going in the right direction because D'Amico Ryans is coming with that Niners pedigree. He's a former Houston Texans guy that was a very good in middle linebacker for them, a Pro Bowl-type player, and they give him a six-year deal. So hopefully he can use up that whole six years to rebuild this roster. And then they have a few pieces there, but they're going to have to go into the draft and look to get a new quarterback and then start from there. So a team that was rudderless, and and, and hopefully this will be a good key hire, but you definitely have to watch it and say, okay, you know, given their history – was where those two other guys stop gaps and is this really a change that they're making for the good? Yeah. And, and memo to the TV networks, just because they hired Sean Payne, I don't need to see Denver five straight weeks. <laughs> I don't, it's, it's a horrible product. And I, I don't know again, how you fix that offense and you fix Russell Wilson, the coverage bear. So there's going to be a challenge there. Lastly, before I let you get out of here, I know there's this buzz, uh, you know, Rogers is going to be Rogers. It's it's when Rodgers makes his announcement, he'll make an announcement. After a while, it's almost it gets to Brett Farvish. Like at this point, I don't give a crap whether you play or not. I don't care. I, I don't think he's going to New York. I think he either retires or stays with Green Bay. That's just my opinion. Um, but what about Brady? So I know there were multiple uh, reports that the Dolphins are not expected to pursue Brady. And I know there's some really tuned in Dolphins insiders and reporters down there in Florida, Miami that are saying that report doesn't mean anything. I think Brady did buy uh, a nice little uh, one bedroom or a nice little studio apartment, haha, uh, somewhere in Miami. So I'm wondering, Tua still hasn't cleared concussion protocol. I don't know if they believe he is a long-term answer. They might say all the right things, but we're not privy to sitting inside that, uh, those uh that that organization right when the brass is talking and whatnot i I can see the dolphins really making a witching hour pitch to brady and saying well wait a second you beat up on this division for years okay you can now do it against new england you can do it against the jets a team that you owned and we think we can put the pieces together to compete with buffalo because now everyone thinks that the window has closed in buffalo so I guess the question is, can you see Miami making a run here at Brady? I definitely could. You know, Stephen Ross wanted him before. He didn't make any bones about it, and then they, they got in trouble for it, the, the tampering call. So, you know, it's a situation where uh, Chris Greer's a general manager. He's going to make all the – you know, say all the right things in terms yep. of Tua and, and the team overall. But if they have the opportunity to get Brady, I, I think they will try to get in the mix there. I don't think Brady's going back to Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, that situation kind of soured. Uh, I don't know if Leftwich was his guy and Leftwich not there anymore. Bruce Arians obviously isn't the coach. And Todd Bowles is very conservative. He does not like to throw the football as much as Brady does. So I think Brady's going to look at a lot, a variety of landing spots. And maybe like that old Reggie White tour where he's going all around the league to see uh, which landing spot he, he's going to be. So, But he's going to be 46 years old and you're going to have to factor in. And I know he will come with a, a good price but he's going to want a line that's going to protect him. 
and he's going to basically be his own offensive coordinator, kind of like Peyton Manning was when he went to Denver Broncos. So going to be very interesting. I still think with Josh McCown, McCown's uh, over in uh, with the Raiders, I think that could be a key landing spot for them. So maybe Raiders. They're talking about maybe even the Niners. I'm hearing that out there, you know. Uh, they trade Jimmy G and then yeah. they, they kind of slide Brady in there. I mentioned that. Yeah. I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. I, I, I just thought, because remember now he grew up, he idolized Montana. He, he was a big time Niners fan. Right. So, uh, and the funny thing is uh, that when it shocked me, because you have, you have Lance, you have Purdy, you have Garoppolo, you've got a couple pieces to play with there. Um, all right. I'm going to assume I know lackey and game balls for AFC and NFC championship games because you've kind of highlighted one player already. So let's start. Well, let's, we'll save NFC. Let's go to the AFC because I'm curious. I have a feeling I know where you went. And if you went that way, I might have an issue with it, but go ahead. Game ball winner is Eagles pass rusher Hassan Reddick. I mean, he, he was just okay, dominant. NFC, that's fair. I mean, he, he was just, you know, three tackles. We talked about He had the two sacks and the key play of the game to force fumble. And, and you know, I just can't believe they still tried to have a backup tight end block him in that key situation. And, and, you know, as you were saying, it's good that he's getting some press. He obviously was not in the defensive player to your conversation, but he played even better than Nick Bosa in this game. So he gets my game ball. Uh, this is where I think I might have a problem. AFC, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I, I hope you have a little decorum, but we shall see. These are your game balls. These are your lackeys. Go ahead. Who do you got? For the lackey? Yeah. Joseph aside, the linebacker from the banks. I know I shouldn't pick on a kid. It's an easy, easy, you know, <laughs> trample on him. I probably should have gave it to Joe Burrow. He, he was not Joe Cole in this game. He had two interceptions, but that play was just so big. And, and you feel bad for the kid in that spot. As I talked about, Pratt was yelling at him and, and uh, social media has just been blowing up and everybody's trying to step on him. But I think he'll overcome it and use this as a learning tool. But uh, unfortunately, I gave it to a side as my uh, lackey for the week. Listen, it's they're, they're your awards. You have every right to um, dish them out as you <laughs> seem fit. He is uh, Lloyd Vance, our NFL insider. Give him a follow on Twitter at Lloyd Vance, NFL writer, historian, and uh, researcher as well. PFWA award winner, and we've seen him in the past, ESPN and NFL Network contributor. Um, all right, my friend, hopefully, um, I don't know, maybe next week we can fix the uh, – that's <laughs> I'll try to get another background, maybe a more neutral one, given that, you know, we got the big game coming up and you don't want to favor one team over the other. There you go. He says, Even he though says all it. my Eagles cousins, that's all they're doing is call me and all that. I've been watching the news, making sure they're not climbing any light posts. A lot, a lot of crazy Eagle fans. Yeah, see, and you, and you promote it like radio, right? The big game, just in case no trademark infringement. So. <laughs> All right, pal, always appreciate you jumping on a uh, Tuesday edition of BYP. We'll talk next week. All right, thanks for having me on. You got it.